Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. This week on Conflict Managed, we welcome Mandar Apta, thought leader, social innovator, meditation teacher, and storyteller. In 2012, Mandar influenced Shell's CEO to start Shell's Game Changer Social Innovation Program, which would invest in innovative solutions to sustainability challenges and create both social impact and business returns. Through the portfolio of investments that he made through his Impact Investment Fund, Mandar showcased how global brands like Shell can and must play a greater role to enable and scale social impact. While at Shell, Mandar also won the League of Entrepreneurs Award for his efforts to design and facilitate an innovative learning program to over 2,000 colleagues at Shell using meditation techniques. In 2016, Mandar joined George Mason University as a visiting scholar at the Jimmy and Rosalind Carter School for Peace and Conflict Resolution. He created the Business for Peace Innovation Lab, through which he provided innovation consulting to SDG 16, Peace and Security, and helped organizations to invest in peace. For nearly two decades, Mandar has volunteered his time for the Art of Living Foundation and the International Association for Human Values to teach leadership development programs using meditation techniques to thousands of people across the world. Mandar is the founder and executive director of Cities for Peace, a non-for-profit consultancy that actively promotes peace in cities worldwide. The flagship program was held in Los Angeles, where so far over 250 community members, including LAPD officers, former gang members, and victims and survivors of violence have been trained by Mandar as ambassadors for peace. Similar programs are now being offered in many other cities and communities worldwide. In 2017, Mandar produced and directed a documentary film, From India with Love, that showcases the transformational experience of victims of violence from across America who embarked on a journey to India. The film was inspired by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who had also visited India to study nonviolence in 1959. The film was premiered by the Los Angeles Police Department at Paramount Studios and is now available on Amazon Prime in the U.S. and in the U.K. In 2018, Mandar hosted the inaugural World Summit on Countering Violence and Extremism that brought together law enforcement officers and peace activists from U.S. and India to brainstorm novel solutions to promote peace. Good morning, Mandar, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Good morning to you, and uh, yeah, let's manage the conflict. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into managing conflict, I'm first of all so delighted to be talking with you. I just watched your documentary this week from India with love and it was amazing. And I have so many wonderful questions to ask you. I'm so interested in what you're doing in the space to bring about peace in communities and with individuals, but I want to learn more about you. So will you tell us about the first job you ever had as a young man? The first job I had as a young man was uh, when I came for my graduate school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I had to clean cars and paint pipes because I used to work in a workshop. Uh, And it was in my graduate school in my research lab. And I got paid $7 an hour. But, you know, that is where I learned uh, humility and dignity in labor. Like, whatever you do, uh, if if you put your heart into it, then uh, no work is less or more. It's just work. Hmm. And uh, my best friends used to be the, uh, uh, you know, people who uh, work in those settings, uh, you know, and uh, Oklahomans who... For me, as growing up in a large city in Mumbai in India, was quite interesting that the America that I saw on CNN and Baywatch and whatever TVC shows that we see, <laughs> and then land in Tulsa, Oklahoma with these, uh, you know, quote-unquote roughnecks, uh, was just humbling. They are just amazing human beings. And I made so many great friendships, so many great conversations while cleaning cars and trucks and uh, doing electrician work and uh, pipe bending work. I'll tell you one story that still resonates with me. Uh, you know, these electric wires that go in our home or any any other uh, uh, facility, the 90 degree bend, okay, that uh, you see in on the top of your ceilings, uh, 
they are very hard to do because you have to bend the pipe at the right point for the right pressure and all that right so and then you have to check whether the pipe is straight on both sides so you use a spirit bubble to check whether the pipe is straight and the bubble was just a little bit outside that window so i asked uh, my friend tony who used to run that workshop that uh, you know it's lunch time and it's been a hot day so is this okay tony can we take a lunch break and tony came and he looked at it and uh, you know he said uh oh, if i were you i would do it again and we were like damn but that's what perfection is right you, you whatever you do you got to be perfect and that's what i learned from tony and i will never forget that lesson sometimes good enough is good enough but that's the art of knowing when it matters like when do we really sometimes good enough isn't cutting it especially when you're dealing with electricity and getting the pipes correct and uh that's a it's a good sometimes hard lesson to learn nope do it again get it right yeah absolutely yes. so yeah that was my first job in 1996 You know, and it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, uh, going to Oklahoma after um, growing up in Mumbai and and your expectation of what the United States is. And I'm sure um, if I were dropped someplace in India, you know, my pictures of India are from, of course, um, you know, from movies and from, you know, festivals and, and the big cities. Uh, it's a vast country, just like the United States is a vast country. Yeah, I think that's what the world at that time was not a very interconnected world mm-hmm. as it is now. So at that time, uh, you know, for example, there was one Indian restaurant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And now it's everywhere. So, you know, that's how culture has globalized and I think that is where we need to move as a society like we accept food from every part of the world. Mm-hmm. uh we don't have to be chinese to eat chinese food mm-hmm. uh we accept music from every part of the world we don't need to be german to listen to beethoven classical music mm-hmm. our laptops all these gadgets are made in taiwan but we are not taiwanese so that's what we need to do also for wisdom like wisdom from every part of the world from every tradition we need to own it and the same is true with culture and music dance like that's what our shared humanity is and if we don't and if we just live in our own bubble that's also fine but we should not compare it that i am better than you and you are not as good as i am that's where the problem comes right yeah so that's what i think the world has to uh, learn to agree to disagree and move on yeah i think that's such a great point about food and music and culture and how we are already participating with people that we don't know and cultures that we don't think about and yet they are part of our everyday and what we consume and what we um and what we do and think about and yet there is something about nationalism there is something about space and place and tradition and that holding the duality of really loving and prefacing uh what you hold dear and 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 your particular culture but not doing it i versus them uh, i i am the only legitimate way to be this culture is the the best and every everybody else is worse but rather i love my place i love my tradition and i see you love yours and we can learn from each other and the idea that truth is truth no matter where it is correct correct and that is where i think if you just again link it to uh the word uh, dei that is uh, you know that was introduced to uh, the corporate structure i used to work at shell 20 years ago uh, dei was diversity equity inclusion and now 20 years later we are still struggling and i think the reason is that uh, we haven't moved an inch in those spaces i think because we have framed them wrongly i think the word dei uh, which i recently wrote a blog about and reframed is uh, d stands for dignity e stands for equanimity and i is for interdependence 
so when you reframe dei it helps you to bring people together and move forward so you know that is where we are stuck that uh, it's an interconnected world but we need to learn how to yeah learn from each other and respect needs to be mutual respect mm. not just tolerance yeah because tolerance simply means okay i can tolerate you but inside my heart i really actually want to hate you <laughs> right yeah i agree tolerance is such an interesting word because typically when we say we tolerate something like i don't tolerate chocolate cake i like it right and so when we say we tolerate something it usually means i don't like it but i'm going to allow it right and so in a pluralistic society we tolerate a lot of behaviors that we don't like but we are not actively seeking to outlaw it. And so if if what you're going for is tolerance, I mean, what a low bar. We want something much greater than that because tolerance is not going to bring about belonging. It's not going to bring about creativity or healing. It's not going to bring about what we want, which is a flourishing quality life. Yeah. And you know, uh, you you sometimes life makes you learn this the hard way. that uh, your nearest neighbor is actually going to run and help you in an emergency not the thickest of blood relation mm-hmm. right that is how interconnected we are and uh, if if anything happens your next door neighbor is the first point of contact for you it could even be even more practical like you know we take uber rides these days right with complete strangers complete mm-hmm. strangers mm-hmm. you might be the vice president or the executive vice president of an office but when you are sitting in that uber car you are just a passenger right and your safety depends on the well-being and happiness of the driver yes so it is also your responsibility to create that happy space so that that person drives you safely yes and so that those are the things the skills you can call them soft skills but actually they are life skills yeah that we need to learn on how to strike a conversation and reconnect our umbilical cords with each other we have we have forgotten how to make friendships mm. you know if you ask children if you ask even adults like how many friends do you have in a classroom you will count on your fingers so if the educational system is not able to train you to become friendly with the whole class how can you expect this person when he goes out of mba programs to become a leader ceo how can he make decisions for the entire ecosystem <laughs> you know so that is where uh, the education of the heart is also equally if not more important than just the education of the brain and the intellect and the analytical world that we train ourselves in conflicts as you know conflicts uh, start with your mind <laughs> that's where the real conflict is that's right that's yeah. right <laughs> that's where we have to learn that you know somebody made you angry somebody blamed you somebody made you feel guilty for the wrong reason that person is happy <laughs> you are stuck and the chewing gum inside you wah, 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 goes yeah. on and then one thing leads to the other your perceptions your fears your childhood trauma like all this adds up and then your health suffers you get through blood pressure diabetes the other person is happy at your cost i think that's where the fundamental realization came in my life 20 years ago that i am own i am the only one responsible for my well-being mm-hmm. you know i can blame it on the system workplace boss spouse parents is not going to help me at all mm-hmm. so that's where my journey went into this uh, world of uh, well being and you know self care because i can only care for myself nobody else can however close i am to you uh, you know i can it's like the analogy i give these days is brushing your teeth you know so when we were all young uh, mom and dad put a stick in your mouth and you rebelled say ah you but then the mom and dad used some kind of technique right to fool you like hey baby look at the clouds and so that is when at some point of time we took ownership for it that okay i need to brush my own teeth because if i don't i have bad smell 
and my dental hygiene i need to take care of it right so we don't really enjoy brushing our teeth every day but we do it mechanically what do we do for our own mental hygiene every day and that's a ritual we need to start that ritual as an individual even as a family uh, you know like yesterday as you said was the um, anniversary of the sandy hook tragedy and uh, most parents uh, you know we we were shocked and then we went to school we picked up our kids we tucked them in bed we read some i don't know lullabies for a week maybe a month and then we went back into our own rituals right so families also need to create some well being rituals uh, perhaps daily maybe weekly uh because that well being especially the pandemic has uh, kind of messed us up because we have been programmed now to zoom and work from home and you know we don't have real friends these days we don't go out and make friends so i i see a lot like uh, pa- kids have become less uh, friendly less creative uh, they are more on their gadgets and so that's where conflict can begin is uh, at home mm-hmm. and you have no idea what the kid is thinking through what 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 is he consuming how is his world view shaping and uh, these kids today everybody has a phone so they have access to the whole world and so that is where i think you you know your uh, your families need to yeah look at well being very very critically not ignore it till yes. some incident happens and they say oh my god i lost it i got angry at somebody for no reason i do think that in this age of technology and the love affair that we're having with technology we misunderstand what it, what we are and what it is right that we are relational by nature and what it takes to build a relationship a fruitful relationship a fulfilling relationship authentic relationships recognizing that we are embodied creatures and recognizing what technology is that it's an it it's a tool and we ought to dictate how we use it for flourishing lives instead of it dictate what it wants technology i don't think is i for the most part i think technology is neutral Uh, and yet we have to be realistic about who we are as people and what our limitations are and so when we see the addictive nature of something like social media and we put it into the hands of children or 50 year olds we need to think about what is the real effect and how is that actually leading towards human flourishing or is it leading away and then what are we going to do about it how are we going to respond instead of going along with the flow that might be taking us away from what it is that we actually want which is good flourishing lives yes and the worst part of this is all these uh, reels and tv programming or whatever we are consuming there is a business model to it so the more like the more money that youtuber is making and you don't know who's paying for those ads and paying for those channels so yes you are getting to see uh, quote unquote fact but you don't know whether they are driving your opinion to one direction with a business in mind or is it true journalism and i have my serious doubts so you know for example <laughs> when I, when somebody tells me a point of view i ask them where did you consume that from and let, for example let's say they say msnbc or cnn i say okay that's great but have you looked at the complete opposite point of view on that same topic and make your own mind on what is the truth <laughs> somewhere in in the middle i i could go, i this is a topic that i love talking about which is uh information consumption and in the age of the world being flat and how much realistic time do we have we're not all journalists i think that is really interesting to consider but i want to get back to you and your career and how you have dealt with conflict in the workplace can you tell us about a time that was difficult for you at work at some kind of conflict and and how you dealt with it 
yeah i mean conflict is the nature of the world so right so whenever you work with anybody whether it's at home or in a group there will be different points of view and your point of view may not be accepted but unless the person or the team or the group that you work with are not uh, cynical about it mm. you should you should bear it right cynicism is not okay criticism is okay cynicism is not okay so um, there were many conflicts you know i feel the first conflict was uh, i just come out of graduate school and uh, it was my first job at uh, fortune 100 uh, shell research center in houston and i used to go there um, at about 8 or 9 am and my boss used to tell me there comes the prince he was on his third cup of coffee because he used to start his day at 6 am and i he was maybe 20 years the uh, elder to me and my culture doesn't back answer or doesn't like you know tell him what he needs to speak but i would have loved to tell him dude you wake up at 6 am and come to work because that may be the most productive part of your day but that doesn't apply to everybody like my most productive part may be 9 pm at night so we should be very careful at what we speak and the words that we use because that is where violence and conflict can also start is the words that we use mm. so that was my first i would say memory of uh, conflict at shell 1999 so, and a bigger story is um, i was in my, in the helm of my career i had created a role for myself uh within this large organization uh, i had created something new that was uh, you know managing an investment fund in the space of good for society and good for business like doing well and doing good and so those projects required experimentation not in the shell lab but outside and so uh, my boss uh, started uh you know mean m- with a mean attitude killing my project for whatever reason and no matter how much time i defend or give my point of view that hey we need to invest this is a good idea uh it started becoming more personal so i told uh, my uh, my then supervisor that uh, i don't really like what you are doing you are killing everything that we have started and i don't feel good about this i feel really sad that all the work that we have done is being squashed and so she said don't bring emotions at work mm-hmm. so i said well but you are my supervisor like i i need to share what's happening with me to you who else will share it with and uh, the response i got was uh, why don't you take those deep breaths that you take teach other people and so you know that's where i felt like man that that's not good and i will suffocate in this role so the question you ask is what did i do to overcome this i took a time out i took a stress break i took a stress leave and i came back to uh, my then supervisor after one month of just chilling out and reflecting and i said here this is the portfolio i'm going to find a new job for myself you take care of these projects the way you want to okay and she said no but mandar we can learn i said you know at this age we just have to go with our strength my strength is starting something new obviously according to you i'm not managing the projects well so here take it so that is where i realized that uh you know i was attached to the incubator i had started but i was losing my sleep because that incubator was being attacked and so that is where i realized that we have to detach to whatever we are attached and that's the way we can heal ourselves and reconcile with what's going on hmm. so you know that uh, attached detachment or detached attachment is actually yoga the word yoga means the ability that you develop to detach from the world mm. 
and that is where you can say you get to the 30000 feet space right you get to top view like what's going on and that every leader needs to do every now and then to get a new view of the world the new view of their challenges because the level of the complexity cannot be solved at the level of the consciousness that creates the complexity mm-hmm. so you know you need to step out of the complexity mm-hmm. free your mind that way you are allowing your mind to think something new will come out of this right that is uh, i would say the wisdom of yoga that allows you to detach so it is absolutely not about that upward dog downward dog right it's not that physical <laughs> exercise at all it's a mental game so that's how i dealt with my uh, conflicts at work is by the regular practice of yoga and meditation i really appreciate those two examples the first example of really the passive aggressive comment by your boss oh prince mandar coming in when he wants and i love that example because that epitomizes many people's experiences at work it's all those little barbs all those little slights that what your boss really wanted to say was hey you know i'm doing all this work i've been here 3 hours why are you coming in late right but he was he or she was unable to use their words in order to communicate and have a real conversation with what was bothering them and but this is a lot of human interaction because we don't know how to have confident conversations we don't even know what's going on inside of us just that something is going on inside and i see you as the cause so i'm going to say something but why could we ima- why would we imagine something's going to change because now we've just slighted the other person but i think so much of our work environments are filled with all these constant little barbs that we perceive from people and somebody might say oh come on that's no big deal that's just a comment but that's to misunderstand human relation it's to misunderstand that everything that we're doing we're either connecting with each other or we're pulling apart and we're trying to see who we can trust and who cares for us and we're trying to understand our climate and so those little comments actually are not little no and the more the more the world becomes interconnected and the people are uh, more independent more i would say how can i say it more aware of the choices that they have or where they can work nobody would want to work with you if you keep barbing these comments at the people that report to you or work with you yeah because today i have a choice that i do i don't need to work with you if you don't like me we don't need to continue this <laughs> right And, and and that's why I love your second example so much because as we grow as we grow and develop and we look at our different options you took a pause right you took a long pause and said okay this is what's going on what am i going to do what are my options and you came up with an option that was best for you it doesn't it doesn't sound like that's what she wanted she didn't imagine that her actions were going to cause that but taking a pause so that we can really examine and take ownership of ourselves. Okay, this is how I'm feeling. So what am I going to do? How am I going to move forward? And as you said in the beginning, we have to take care of ourselves. It's an it's an old idea, but it's so true. When on, you know, on the plane and the oxygen mask comes down first, they say, you know, put it on yourself first and then the others. And everyone's like, "Well, of course, because if I'm passed out, how am I supposed to help the other?" but we continue to forget that we are always trying to fix other people <laughs> and failing because we don't look at the only person we can fix which right. is ourselves that's it we can assist others we can um come alongside them but we get to fix nobody but ourselves yeah absolutely true and uh, that is where you know i also learned it the hard way like this boss the 6 am 9 am I also took a pause at that time so that was 1999 like 25 years ago and I signed up for a yoga class okay somebody told me that hey why don't you learn some breath work why are you stressing out and that year I told my then boss that you know I can work on this can you pay for my yoga training workshop and so I got it done so my yoga training 
teacher training was actually paid by my employer excellent so skillful like i think when you take a pause some skill will come out of that so that you can create a win win situation yes yes then if it doesn't work then you have the obviously you can leave you can go to another place yes okay one what you said uh, the uh, you know the self care is an ancient wisdom but that's the last place we look at maybe one reason is that are you telling me to accept uh this abuse or this thing that is happening you know so that is where the um, misunderstanding could be mm. that uh, that self care might mean if somebody is slapping you or abusing you do self care and continue being abused continue being harassed so that is where we just have to caution the listener of this that uh, that's absolutely not what we are trying to say right you you can respond to the situation with more dignity and grace only when you do your self care yes that self care that helps us to see no i don't have to take this no i have other options and putting up boundaries and then it's up to us to enforce our own boundaries but we have to recognize who we are so that we say i will not accept this behavior and then act when you are absolutely i'm, I'm glad you said that Yes so that acceptance is not passive right. it is dynamic yes and uh, you know self care doesn't mean you will not care for that person right you can say to that person hey this is my number i'm walking out of this because i don't want to continue but if you need my help any time here this is my number you can call me mm-hmm. that is how you can show you still care for that other person but not get abused not get hurt there is a there's a boundary that you need to draw yes and of course relationships are uh, dynamic so you can't really you know be hard on people like your children for example but you can set boundaries that are more elastic mm-hmm. because uh, everybody is growing in life right yes the growth is in everybody the mistakes that we make are helping us grow and so we should never uh, reject criticism that is coming to us because uh, the words that people may use may not be perfect but even if there is 1% of good criticism you should take that 1% and learn to block that 99% mm. and acknowledge that you know thank you for sharing this i didn't it didn't, uh, didn't wasn't aware of it mm. so i think that is where grace and dignity should be your metric mm-hmm. if you are losing your dignity then there's a boundary you need to set if you are losing your own field of grace compassion then that's the boundary we should set yes sometimes you learn it the hard way you know sometimes you have to go to the <laughs> yeah you have to learn it the hard way maybe that's uh, the purpose of the hard lesson is uh, for you to stand up for who you are mm-hmm. i also think that when we stand up for ourselves and we uh really learn what our boundaries are and we express those and and act in accordance with our values it's kindness to others it is not good for people to mistreat others it's not good and in so far as we in a way allow that mistreatment we are harming them as they harm us because it is not good for people to mistreat and disrespect others and so when we are complicit in that sort of um arrangement where we take the abuse not only are we allowing ourselves to be hurt but we are allowing them to act in a way that is not for their good and so to be kind to somebody who is hurting us is to not allow them to hurt us to 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 set that boundary and then to move away from that relationship in so far as there's harm that's being uh, that's occurring does that make sense Yes and then just one more cherry on the topping is by encouraging that person to continue the behavior with you you are subtly giving them permission to do this same behavior with other people out there yes right so that is where we need to uh, not just stop but raise our voice and even yeah do whatever we need to to stop this nonsense yeah i for see- their own sake yeah for their own sake not because uh, of the i factor yeah 
just like an analogy you know like when uh, when we were all children uh, and we made a mistake i don't know i'm making it up just have a milk in your hand and the glass spills milk on the carpet your mother might shout at you that hey don't do this if you do this again no meal for you tonight right so that is discipline that comes by raising your voice but the voice is coming from your throat the mother's throat not from the heart and that is for that child's good so i think that level of disciplining is okay uh, if we don't we see all these uh, teenagers and children of today misbehaving uh, and that is because sometimes the discipline in this you know free society can be perceived as injustice mm-hmm. how can you talk to me like this right Mm-hmm. but that is where we have to be careful that hey if, if i don't discipline you you might continue spilling the milk on other people's carpet <laughs> thinking that it's okay <laughs> that's why clear is kind and when i think about the work environment and i talk to people and they say well this person has been doing this for i say six months and they keep on doing it and i say well why has it been going on for six months what have you done you know and so in a way we were complicit and then you talk to the person who's been doing it for 6 months and they don't even know they're doing it because they think that's the norm and maybe that's how they behaved in other places and nobody said anything and now they're like I don't understand what's going on because we haven't had those conversations we haven't talked about expectations and I'm upset with this person for behaving this way and yet I haven't told them that this is a problem and we're not communicating and there and if the person is actually acting in a way that violates civility rules then they need to there need to be appropriate consequences there need to be and not you know low level first and communicating so that we can get everybody back on the on mission on the team but we need to be able to communicate with one another so that we can have these environments where everybody knows what the expectations are and there's correction communication when somebody steps outside of those boundaries when they pour their milk you know on on the carpet and and we say no that's not what we're doing here yeah 100% 100% and uh yeah sometimes these things are so stupid that we get into conflicts on some stupid reason and uh, yeah once the communication breaks then you it's a disaster in your not in the in the documentary but in your you have a training module that is talking about peace and you give this really wonderful analogy of an iceberg and i was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about that because when i think about work environments and i think about the difficulties the real difficulties that people experience and the the pain from the lack of belonging the lack of care of being minimized mistreatment sometimes harassment and then we keep on showing up to work cuz it's work and we need to pay our mortgage and there's this pain how do we move forward and i love your iceberg analogy i think it's very helpful of thinking about what's really going on so that we can try to think about how to how to live in the present and move forward even when there's pain because pain is a part of life difficulty is a part of life how do we move forward so can you explain yeah. the iceberg and and moving forward with yeah. the with the painful emotions that we experience yeah no i, I the iceberg comes from a study of several different uh, philosophies but i would like to mention marshall rosenberg he is the founder of the nonviolent communication philosophy and uh, shri shri ravi shankar who is my meditation teacher from the meditation philosophy so in this iceberg i have blended the two and the the iceberg simply is an analogy that many uh, management schools use like okay 20% is above the water line 80% is below the water line so then uh, at the bottom of that iceberg uh, we say that uh, those are our human needs you know what do we get up and go to school for or get married or go to work or go on holiday 
right everything that we do is to meet our human needs and if you ask people all over the world what are those needs then uh, people uh, will come to realize that it is mutual respect dignity compassion love kindness appreciation right all these things are my human needs for which i go to work for which i get a paycheck for which i go to vacation uh so if those needs are not met right people have different coping mechanisms but at some point of time you will get negative emotion right at some point of time it will be different for different people but a lack of needs met will bring negative emotion in that also there will be a lot of spectrum that people may have coping mechanisms to even manage their negative emotions through healthy ways or unhealthy ways right at some point of time that will also reach its ceiling and you will blow up so that negative emotion will lead to some action and now those actions may be either visible or invisible you know you can do you can smoke for managing your stress because of a bad boss at work and you might not show people that you are smoking because of whatever that criticism may be right so some actions may be invisible or visible but the result of those actions the top of that iceberg will be uh, visible bad relationship bad health you know stress etc etc failed marriage whatever that may be that result is visible so that is the uh, movement of needs that are not met emotions that have not been managed the positive side of this is also true if your needs are met if you come home from work and your spouse has made a nice cup of tea for you and uh, you know gives you a nice rub on the neck says honey you have had a long day you feel good your emotions are good and your actions will reciprocate you say okay honey i am going to cook for you today and the result of that will be a happy marriage so that is the iceberg you know and that is where we need to look at our needs and if those needs are not being met make any changes to doing things that meet your needs <laughs> like don't postpone your own happiness uh, and it can be as simple as you know if you like to play the guitar play the guitar if you like ice cream go have ice cream once a week so make any changes to meet your own need to fill your own cup and second level is managing your own negative emotions and so that is where the science of breath and meditation helps you because our breath is linked with our emotions right so whenever we are angry irrespective of whether you are in china or chile whether you are uh, you know Uh, whatever american or chinese your breath will go fast right instantaneously when you are sad somebody blames you your breath will change instantaneously you will sigh whenever you are anxious for that exam or for that uh, you know interview job interview what will happen will i pass will i get the job so this is where the science of breath that emotions have their own breathing pattern can i use my breath to manage my emotions so that my emotions don't make a slave out of me you know out of anger you will speak something harsh and then you will repent oh my god oh my god i lost my cool on my own mom Damn, I'm a bad person, <laughs> right? So one negative emotion will lead to another negative emotion. So that is where you can take a pause, learn some breath, pranayama, meditation practice, and all that training is available online. You know, you don't have to be in India to learn ancient Vedic meditation. You can be sitting in God knows Boise, Idaho, <laughs> and still access this knowledge. So that is the beauty of the interconnected world that we are in. absolutely you have no reason you have absolutely no reason to stay unhappy you must take whatever you need to be happy because life is very short 
and uh, nobody is responsible for your happiness state of mind you are responsible for it so just do whatever you need to investigate explore that's what i love conflict management because i think it is a realization first and foremost that it's up to me it's personal empowerment so much we give our unhappiness to the world to fix it's they caused it therefore they have to fix it you caused this and therefore i'm waiting for your apology or you to change the system for me to feel good but we're always waiting on somebody else but when we realize it's my life i get to decide i get to make choices and and if the other person doesn't change or the system doesn't change then i get to decide how i'm going to respond i get to decide what i'm going to do next and i also think it's really interesting with your second example of um, a work conflict and your boss said um, you're bringing your emotions to work <laughs> what a what a strange criticism i was like yeah i'm a human person you hired a human person and it's a misunderstanding of what's above the iceberg right we we only see the actions and the results we see the responses but those responses are coming because of the emotions that we have because of what's going on inside internally and so if you want a healthy and happy work environment you have to realize that it's populated with human persons and human persons have emotional responses and so to say leave your emotions at the door when you come into work is utterly inhuman and not possible and it's not even good it's really it's really a bizarre thing to say but it is an old adage that people would say this is work we don't want your emotional responses then hire a bunch of computers but people people have emotions and emotions are wonderful emotions are the anger tells us something good right it all tell the loneliness tells us something good the you know the happiness tells us something good it's all excellent information about what's going on what to do next yes and i think if i did not have my own self care ritual like i practice my yoga pranayama kriya practice 1 hour every day for the last 21 years i have never missed a single day even while i was going through those emotional uh, don't bring your emotions at work i would never have been able to cope it if i did not have my own practice and still i got stressed still i got like what the hell is happening still i had to take a one hour break one month break so what i come out of this is you know uh, when you reach your higher ground when you don't go low when other people are criticizing you you don't go low with them you realize that these people are not happy these people are not uh, compassionate or contented and whatever that may be it may be their own home situation i don't know maybe they maybe they have an autistic child that they are managing who knows whatever that reason may be this person who is like attacking you through their words not physically are not happy they are not contented and so that is where my request to uh, organizations especially the hr of the organization is don't assume that people when they move from one level of leadership from a manager to a vice president they have the emotional toolkit they may not don't assume it and just provide this training to them you know meditation training uh, because if there is conflict and there will be conflict there is a lot of workplace productivity that goes down efficiency goes down morale goes down lawsuits may happen so all this is cost and so companies organizations uh, need to make sure that the workplace of the future is a happy workplace and uh, happiness is not just hee 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 giggling hee hee ha hoo right you can measure it through surveys like happiness surveys that's where you will find is there any problem in this working group and then uh, you know that is where conflicts arise when there is no contentment when there is no appreciation so that could be another way of you know finding ways to uh, mitigate the conflict 
is by actively promoting happiness mm-hmm. actively promoting compassion and not waiting for an act of conflict to come right i think also helping people set their expectations that there is going to be pain conflict is painful so we should expect it but then what do we do next mm-hmm. and when i'm caught in a conflict with somebody and this is what i do for a living it's still painful for me it's still difficult for me and the idea is i don't think the idea of learning how to manage conflict and difficult emotions is so that i don't feel right i i i love the detachment in in a variety of settings but there's the unhealthy detachment when i am not dealing with my emotions right so feeling the negative emotions feeling the pain and still moving through it pain is part of life as you have said often and many wise people have said suffering is optional and so that is where it becomes an individual journey like you know pain is part of life you need to learn how to deal with it you need to manage it so that you are not suffering and if you are suffering you will make other people suffer mm. yeah you know so it we are we are a pendulum society we are either uh, hurt and hurt really badly from god knows childhood yeah. that leads us to depression or we are aggressive we are hurting other people right so this is the pendulum of life we are hurting ourselves we are hurting other people we are hurting ourselves we are hurting other people and i think that is where society is today the level of violence that you see the level of polarization and the toxic uh, climate that you see in every country i would say is because of uh, trauma that has not been healed yeah suffering that has not been uh, quenched and there is a healthy way of doing it you know that is where the science of the breath will help meditation will help yoga practice will help going out for an ice cream will help so we have to find our own way but it is a a platter like you know only when you taste many things that you will say okay i like chess i can't play soccer or uh, lawn tennis because i have i don't know shin splint and tennis elbow but i can play chess you will only know this because you have tried many things yes so suffering is optional 100% hmm. you can go through the worst of the worst pain and still build your resilience so that you are not losing your smile and you are not just really lose not losing your smile you are actually promoting peace and happiness outside that you can call as the art of living right pain is part of life i can suffer i can make other people suffer but hey that's not what i am born to do let me learn how to not be in the mode of suffering that's the step number 1 pain still exists i'm not going to suffer step number 2 is a higher evolution is pain still exists i will not suffer and i will promote healing in the planet that's a higher level of uh, purpose that you can aspire for in 2024 <laughs> you know i there was a quote that you something that you said um when you were in aspen and you had uh, your amazing 2 minute talk they had a, a packed a lot of punch but you said it was a recognition that relationship is much bigger than the conflict and that birds eye view that we get so stuck in 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 the forest that 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 we see the conflict is it is at all but is all encompassing for many times when we're at work but i i like the call to put it in perspective and sometimes that we can see what's really going on we can see how do we restore our relationships we can see what it really means and how to go about and fix it but when we think that the conflict is the relationship it's very hard to solve for it's very hard to move forward so getting whatever the conflict is noticing it and working to solve it but seeing it in its proper place rather than consuming all consuming yeah and um, the, the 
we are uh, we are in stuck in that boat <laughs> you know we uh, we might start liking hurting other people mm. right and we might force to think that i don't have any other choice i'm stuck in a relationship it's an abusive relationship but i don't have a choice those are all uh, mental models that you have made and so it uh, nobody can help you unless you raise your hand and say i need help this is too much so i always tell my friends that have at least one person that you can share everything that is going on and that person is your guide that role is in india the word is called guru the word guru is the english root of the word guide the guru is like a coach he is not going to play the game for you mm. you still have to play your game but he is observing you from the sidelines he cares for you he is going to say guys time out come here don't dribble like this you know go from the back that person we all need in our life because that's the only way you can improve your game and that is why the word guru or having a guru is given such a huge significance in india and that person can be absolutely anybody who cares for you he is a well wisher for you and that relationship you need to have with at least one person and you need to be a guru to one more person mm. you know so that's what i would uh, suggest everybody that is listening that uh, we can't change the world but we can change our world my world and one more person in that ecosystem i want to make sure that i'm being i'm sharing my learnings of life with at least one more person so that suffering is reduced right i love that it's practical and wise and how are we supposed to get better if we don't if we don't see it having somebody else who cares cares for us and then caring for others mandar yeah and then uh, if you can kindly share the link to my film uh, i take uh, two delegations to india every year so you are welcome to come on that delegation mary and anybody else that is listening uh, india is special india is special based on my own experience of traveling all over the world in india people come here as a seeker so our my pilgrimages as you saw yes we do go to the taj mahal we do all these touristy things but it's more about asking questions like what is the purpose of my life why am i here and those questions uh, india has always played that role for many many leaders of the past dr martin luther king junior steve jobs etc etc so um, i feel that if the whole world is a poem india has been the prayer room and that's what the world needs today is more prayer more reflection more time out like enough is enough like you know enough is enough so that's uh, my invitation to anybody that is listening to this podcast come over to india for 10 days <laughs> well i will definitely put uh, the link uh, in in the show notes so my last question for you before we leave is when you look into the future of work what do you think needs to have happen so that all workers are treated with dignity and respect but more than that are encouraged to thrive and flourish um like i already said uh, we have to provide people with uh, tools and programs that help them in their own social emotional learning and development and uh, evaluate the happiness at the workplace through anonymous surveys and don't wait for conflicts to arise don't wait for violence to trigger your own compassion so keep building the tool toolbox to be more compassionate to be more kind there is no end to it so make that as your learning goal in your own organization is you know how do you measure whether your leaders are doing is not by just the money that they bring in the pnl but examples of kindness examples of compassion that is what is going to attract people to work with you for you buy your products is when they see examples of goodness kindness compassion i think that's the workplace of the future I love that. Mandar, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure to to talk with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mary.
Thank you, Mandar, so much for being on Conflict Managed. What a wonderful conversation. I have enjoyed all the time I've been able to spend with you, and I am very indebted and grateful for the work that you're doing to bring about peace in individuals' lives and in communities. Conflict Managed is produced by third-party workplace conflict restoration services and hosted by me, Mary Brown. You can find us online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. I encourage you to check out Mandar's excellent documentary that can be found on Amazon. And while you're there, go ahead and take a look at my book, which is called How to Be Unprofessional at Work, Tips to Ensure Failure. It's a look at 80 things of what not to do at work and starts a conversation about how we have healthy work environments where everyone is treated with dignity and respect and encouraged to thrive. Conflict Managed has new episodes every Tuesday, so we hope that you will return. And we have over 80 episodes for you to peruse and learn from wonderful people across the world about their experiences in work and how to move forward. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care. Take care.